The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Bears banter powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you after a victory for the Chicago Bears. A long time coming. This this drought was ugly. It has not been fun. But the Chicago Bears figured out a way to get a victory because... Look, where, here's where I am. And no, I don't think this is a playoff team. And uh, yes, they've got the Lions coming up. We're going to talk to Patrick Maher, buddy of mine, host on a uh, national show on Mad Dog Radio, national TV show with VEASAN, the, the, the gambling network. So going to have plenty to do with Patrick. He is a Lions fan. So we're going we're gonna to talk Lions. We're going to talk Bears in these two woeful seasons for these two teams. But... Here's the bottom line with this Bears team. No, I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs. But you want to know why I'm desperate to get victories for this team? Because at this point, I have no interest in giving the Raiders a really good pick. You want to call that bitterness? Sure, it's bitterness. Because, yes, I expected this Bears team to take a leap this year. And obviously, there has been regression across the board, largely at the quarterback, somewhat with the coach, offensive line, tight ends. We don't need to get into all the details of the regression because you guys clearly know what's going on with this team. But do you want the Raiders to have the ninth, 10th pick in the draft thanks to that Khalil Mack trade? I certainly don't. So let's make sure the Bears win some games. Let's get to 8-8. Eight and eight. Let's get to 9-7. and seven. How about that? Let's get the 16th, 17th pick in the draft so these Chicago Bears do not just give the Raiders a great draft pick. I'm hearing enough from Raiders fans I know that are chirping about how great Josh Jacobs is. Look. I understand Josh Jacobs is having a great rookie season and poised to look like he is going to be a very good running back for several years. I still hate, if I'm a Raider fan, that they spent a first-round pick that they got for Khalil Mack on a running back. That is not good draft value for me. I don't care how good Josh Jacobs is. That pick should have been spent at a position of a higher premium, and you can get a quality running back later in the draft. I firmly believe that. I think that was a mistake. I don't care how good Josh Jacobs is. I don't care. Save it for somebody else. But look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here looking back on this Giants game because 
the Giants are a bad football team. The Chicago Bears were expected to win. In fact, the Chicago Bears did not cover the point spread. Vegas was so down on the Giants that they had the Bears as almost a touchdown favorite. Bears, who cares about the point spread? I get that. But all I'm saying is the Bears did what they were expected to do. This is not a building block kind of game because there were still way too many problems all over the place with this with this team. Look, it was great to see Khalil Mack get in the mix. It was great to see Allen Robinson continue to have a fantastic season. But I am not going to hang my hat on the Mitch Trubisky performance and go, look, he's turning the quarter. The Giants' pass defense is terrible. It is arguably the worst in the NFL. If it's not the worst, it's close to the worst. And Mitch Trubisky's performance, if you look at it compared to how other quarterbacks have performed against the Giants was one of the worst of the season. So I'm not going to blast Mitch. And yes, I get it. Broniker dropped a great pass. He had a 60-yard completion to Allen Robinson called back. So yeah, you can hang your hat on, on some errors that the team made that were not on Trubisky. But at the same time, this is what I'll say. When Trubisky is having those type of things go against him, that happens to all quarterbacks. And maybe it's happened a little bit more to Trubisky this season, but my response to that would be, well, last season, when the Bears were towards the bottom in drop passes and pretty much caught everything, when Mitch Trubisky was towards the top and dropped interceptions and was fortunate in some of that regard, did you sit there and say, well, Mitch is a bit of a paper tiger this year? Or did you expect that? And now that things aren't bouncing their way, now you sit there and throw your hands up and go, it's not Mitch's fault. Because you can't have it both ways. So let, let's not focus too much on Trubisky. We're, we're, we're getting to the point with Trubisky that at a minimum, we know the Bears need to bring in a veteran quarterback who can start. My question to the Chicago Bears organization is, are you fully going to move on from Mitch Trubisky? And whether he's on the roster or not is, is almost besides the point. I'd like him off the roster. I've explained why I want him off the roster. But for this upcoming season, for the 2020 season, if you do not commit to a new starting quarterback, you will not be getting the top quarterback free agents. You will not get Cam Newton. I don't even think you could get an Andy Dalton. If you pitched Andy Dalton, you're coming to Chicago to compete with Mitch Trubisky. You may be QB1, you may be QB2. I don't think Andy Dalton would come here for that. Andy Dalton goes, I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm worthy of starting for your franchise. Whether you like Andy Dalton or not, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the Dalton mindset because someone is going to give Andy Dalton a starting position. Whether it's a bad team or not, someone is going to give that position to, to Andy Dalton. Ryan Tannehill, he may not be available. The Titans may want to retain him. Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints may try and retain him. So of the, the players that are available, but Tannehill and, and Bridgewater, again, I think you'd have to commit starting dollars to them and commit to them. I don't think think they're going to want to play in an open competition with Mitch Trubisky. I think you could get Case Keenum for that. I think you could probably get someone like Alex Smith because he's coming off a major injury and nothing's guaranteed with him. But you are not going to get 
much of an improvement at quarterback. Marcus Mariota, that's another guy who will probably happily compete for a starting job. But you're not going to get a top-notch quarterback, and I don't know how much you're solving the problem if you're bringing in another mediocre veteran. Now, I would expect them to be better than how Trubisky has played this year, but I need to see an upgrade at the quarterback position, which means you need to tell Mitch Trubisky, we're getting rid of you, or you will be QB2. This is not your team anymore. You are now our backup for next season. And that's it. Commit to a quarterback who has a higher ceiling than Mitch Trubisky. That's what this team needs to do. And I just don't know where they are in terms of really breaking free here. Look, they've got several games left. They've got over a month to go in this season. So they're going to continue to evaluate the quarterback position. They clearly have not given up hope on Trubisky yet. We'll see if that happens in January. But for now, if I'm a Bears fan... All I want to see is get them to stack some W's, build a little momentum up so this season isn't as much of a disaster, and don't give the Raiders a top 10, top 12 pick in the draft. And look, that's the unfortunate thing about this season. When you're sitting here and you're getting back towards the back half of the season, back quarter of the season, and you don't have much to play for, I get the Bears are still alive for the playoffs if they can win out and get a little help from the Vikings. Yes, that Week 17 game against Minnesota will matter, but you can't seriously look at this team and go, this team has the capability of winning out when they have to play Dallas, Green Bay, and Kansas City three weeks in a row. So let's take a quick break because, again, there's not too much to dwell on about this game. I'd like to move on, have some fun with Patrick here, get someone else's outside assessment on Trubisky, which I'm sure will be rough. But look, that Lions organization is rough, so we can go right back at him. Should be a fun conversation. Looking forward to that on the other side here. This is Bill Zimmerman. You've got Bears banter. We'll be back right after this. All right. Welcome back to Bears banter. Let's get to our guest. He is Patrick Maher. You can actually hear him weeknights on Mad Dog Sports Radio Sirius XM 8 to 11 Eastern. You can see him on VEASAN 3 to 5 Eastern, I believe, daily. You can check Catch's TV show there, and he joins us now. Patrick, it's Bill Zimmerman. How you doing? Yeah, happy holidays, Bill. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this as we were getting ready to record. My how things have changed from last Thanksgiving to this Thanksgiving as William Zimmerman and the Zimmerman family don't have much to be thankful for. Uh, a lot has changed with your bear and I think we should discuss it. All right, let's let's start there, and I will. I, I'm going to give you the floor because look, <laughs> I am willing to admit oh. when I am wrong, and we got in a big argument last year, probably about this time, maybe a little after this time, when we were comparing quarterbacks, and I laughed at you for saying Dak Prescott is better than Mitch Trubisky. I will give you the floor. No, I don't. I don't think you laughed. I actually think you pointed and guffawed and put me down, and then texted me after the podcast to continue to call me an idiot. And uh, I was just simply look. I was trying to be fair. At this point, it's not fun to pick on Mitchell Trubisky. At this point, it's becoming a little depressing. But I will say, after months and months of you being prideful, you finally come around. And I, I think I should go back to you. You should lay down on a couch right now. We should talk about this. The regression of this kid, and you and I have 
text about texted about a little bit. First off, I don't think Nagy's doing him any favors, but this is a situation where he may he may need to step away from the game for a little bit because this appears to be all in his head. Now, the performance against the Giants last week, I guess you want to say it was a little bit better, although he did have two ugly picks. Uh, but at the same time, this looks like it's going to end badly, and they're in a situation right now where they're five and six, not going to make the postseason, and they've got decisions to make. What would Bill Zimmerman do moving forward with this situation that seems untenable? Well, and and here's my issue with Trubisky. Well, not my issue with Trubisky. I've got plenty of issues with Trubisky. My issue with the situation is, and I don't know how the Bears are going to handle it, and I think how they handle the quarterback situation is going to determine whether Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have jobs basically after the 2020 season. They're not going anywhere now. And I've seen Matt Nagy's name pop up on the hot seat a little bit. Like, look, if they beat the Lions on Thanksgiving, they're 6-6. Six and six. And while that's woefully disappointing from where Bears fans and a lot of the national media thought they would be, Coming off a twelve and four season, you don't fire a coach who's six and six. Well, well after they were at twelve games. and four last year with a confluence of perfection in division. You had the situation with Rodgers and McCarthy. We get that. You had the first year of Cousins, Minnesota. You had the first year Patricia in Detroit. They capitalized on a perfect confluence of events. Let's just be clear about what twelve wins was last year for the Bears. Well, yeah, and the ball- and turnovers and taking advantage of a turnover differential and a defense that came. I mean, the defense obviously with Mac that was just pouncing the, and the ball bounced their way I completely agree with all of it but you know the, the bottom line is is Matt Nagy's not on the hot seat that's 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 all I'm trying to say no he's not but here's my problem if you want to give and they're, they're going to bring in some kind of veteran a quarterback if you want to give Mitch Trubisky the opportunity to continue to compete for the QB1 job next year you are going to be limited as to what quarterback you're going to bring in. And what I mean by that is Cam Newton's not going to agree to an open competition. There's there's zero chance. And you're not going to trade pieces, whatever it might be, if you're going to try and get Cam Newton. I don't know if Cam Newton's the solution. I don't even think Andy Dalton would agree to that situation. Andy Dalton's going to sit there and be, I've been a starting quarterback in the league for 10 years. I'm not competing with Mitch Trubisky to start. You're going to look at a guy like Case Keenum, Marcus Mariota, maybe Alex Smith if he can even play because he's coming off the devastating injury. Those are the type of guys you're going to be looking at if you don't commit to a new quarter. Look, I'd like Trubisky off the roster because I think a toxic situation is Mitch is your QB2 coming in in a home game because your starting quarterback got hurt. And the chorus of boos and the problems that he's going to face I think is unfair to him. That's why Cody Parkey could not stay on this roster this year for this the same reason. So I'm good with Mitch Trubisky being off the roster, I don't think the Bears are. But if you don't say, Mitch, it was your turn, you didn't have it, you're QB2, if you don't fully commit to a new quarterback, I don't know what they're going to be able to really do to fix the position. You know, it's so funny because this is how we live our lives. Like, I'm thinking of the conversation we had a year ago. A year ago, remember, Chase Daniel was under center for Chicago in this Thanksgiving game. I can't remember, was it 16-13, something like that, they beat the Detroit Lions. It was whatever. It was Patricia's first year. He ends up finishing 6-10. and Well, my team now has regressed to a point where they've lost 7 of Eight. They're three, seven, and one. It's a total regression. Uh, they've made zero progress in year two under Patricia. He doesn't know how to fix anything. But I never thought we'd be sitting here having this conversation about your Chicago Bears sitting at five and six. I mean, listen, you and I should be embarrassed what the national what the national audience is going to be watching on Thursday because I thought these were two teams that could win this division, and they've gone the complete opposite way. 
Uh, it's, I mean, literally, like, this is a team in Chicago. No offense, but you should be embarrassed by what they're doing this year because it's not necessarily an overall regression on defense, but they haven't popped on defense. They're not getting the turnovers like they have. They were disgusting in a primetime game against a Rams team that we know is a dreg right now. That was, I mean, and again, the way Nagy handled that situation where he's hugging on the dude and Trubisky's crying on his shoulder like it's the Titanic's going down <laughs> was embarrassing. That literally showed a lack of feel. I mean, we're walking... I got a Patricia. I got a guy that that is you know lecturing reporters and needs to get fired. We're entering a disaster on Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, I'm embarrassed that I have screamed a lot on this podcast about all the things that have gone wrong. And look, the defense definitely hasn't popped as much. They're not causing the turnovers. They're not wreaking havoc in, in with quarterbacks as much. But they're still performing at, at a decent level. Yes. I mean, ninety five percent of all the problems are on the offensive side of the football. And, and what what they put out there on a, on a week in week out basis is is pathetic and and the toughest thing for me I've gotten over it by now but for the first six weeks of this season the biggest problem was I spent and maybe that's why I'm so angry because I was actually called the the biggest Trubisky hater on Twitter which I'll just I'll just you know someone tweeted me at that which I'll, I'll wear that as a uh, you know a, a, you know a tip of my cap at that at this point because I, I'm so down on what the kid's done but it got to the point where I spent eight months defending this team because so much in the national media goes, ah, this was a fluke, 12 and four, don't count on it. They're all going to, they're going backwards, they're going backwards, they're going backwards. I heard it for eight months. And all I did is spend eight months defending this team and defending Mitch Trubisky and to see what they have done since quarter one of game one is just, it, it rips at your gut as a fan because you sit there and go, like, and I'm sure you feel like this as a Lions fan. We can't have nice things in Chicago. That's no, how, but that's not how only you did feel. you not only did you defend the team, you spent eight months defending Mitchell Trubisky. Let's be fair. When you finally made your concession at William P. Zimmerman on Twitter, when you finally came out and said it, it was almost like you took a shower in one of those scenes in a movie where it was bad. Like you were taking a cold shower, crying in the corner of the shower because you finally had to admit. Now that runs parallel. Parallel with what your organization has to deal with moving forward. Pride is a very dangerous thing. And you know what I'm about to say. You coming off Trubisky was hard. How about Pace coming off Trubisky and making the decision that's right for the franchise and the fans of the Chicago Bears? See, that is, in a small vacuum, what you did by saying, okay, I'm wrong about Trubisky, now let's move on. In a much greater scale, Nagy and Pace have to do that. I don't see them doing it, and I see this continuing. That's my problem with your franchise. Oh, and Because he traded up for this. Listen, I'm not going to get into Watson. I'm not going to get into Mahomes. But the idea of his job riding on this kid succeeding is a real thing. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And if he has any, you know, basically, like you said, put the pride aside. Because I know this was his golden boy. And this is what happens when you miss with the second pick of the draft on a quarterback. He put all his eggs in the Trubisky basket. He had a full roster to complement Trubisky. He had offensive weapons, a decent offensive line, a great defense. Everything was in place. And all Trubisky had to be was good. He did not have to be great. He did not have to be elite. He just had to be efficient enough. You know, basically Alex Smith in Kansas City. That's what he needed to be. And, and he failed. Now, if he does put pride aside from a, you know, taking a step back, you know, we're, we're obviously Chicago Bears fans immersed in it. What would you do 
if you were running this organization in terms of trying to fix the court, you know, realistically trying to I fix think the what I would position. do, I think what I would do is what I don't think the listeners of your podcast and Bears fans are awesome. Let me just be very clear. I grew up in Michigan. I don't have any problems with the Bears fans. Most of the time we hate the Packers. And I think that's kind of a joint thing with our fan bases. Uh, the Bears fans, when they traveled to the Silverdome when I was growing up, were always cool. So I have no problem with the Bears fans, but I, I, I think they're going to disagree with me here. I used to think Marcus Mariota would be perfect in Nagy's system. I, again, I think he's risk adverse. I think sometimes I think sometimes Trubisky last year was obviously he was very accurate last year, which was which is what's weird about this year. But he was risk adverse if you really think about it. I think Mariota takes that to the next level. I think Mariota is a perfect fit for Nagy's system. Probably not the healthy pick, uh, but that's excuse me, not probably not the uh, popular pick. But I'd go Mariota. Where are you on that? I, I'm not against Mariota, but my my thing is is, and this is kind of my whole thing is I don't want it to only be Mariota. That's I, I can't again. I'm putting my eggs in a basket of Marcus Mariota, who's been benched for Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill's been great. And I do think, and, and this is one thing I've argued with Bears fans a lot of, who defend Jay Cutler and say, well, it's not Jay Cutler's fault. He had a revolving door of offensive coordinators. He had a bad offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's the same thing that's going on with Marcus Mariota. He's hit, you know, the revolving door of offensive coordinators. He's, you know, he was much better. He's definitely regressed. You saw there's some level of talent there. So I'm not against Marcus Mariota being on this roster next year by any means. I would just have concerns. I, you know, I, I made a joke, you know, months ago when I had quit on Trubisky and I made like a a, uh, a campaign poster for Mariota Rosen 2020 and, and I'd still be there. I have no problem giving a flyer to Josh Rosen, you know, a fifth round pick, something like that to get Rosen in here. I don't think the Bears are going to do that, but I, I, I would have no problem if that's what you try and do going into this in, into next season, something like that. And that's that's an affordable option. There's not a lot of money left for Mariota or for for uh, for Rosen. He, he throws a fantastic ball. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Bro, him. I was down on Rose and coming. I had, guy, I had expert after expert coming on my show, and I lived in L.A., as you know, at the time. I watched him at UCLA. Rosen is not a starter. I, I do. He's a, he throws a beautiful ball. People get in, in, enamored by that. Uh, trust me when I tell you you don't want Josh Rosen. Take Mariota. And another thing, I want to move on to something else, but let's do this. Because it's Thanksgiving and I'm in a giving mood, you can have Matthew Stafford because I am tired of this franchise ruining this guy. This guy has given the city of Detroit 11 years. He came from a bougie neighborhood in Dallas. He came with his beautiful girlfriend, now wife, all the way up from Georgia and Athens and has given 11 years, broken backs, knees, fingers, everything to this franchise, and I want him out. I want Matthew Stafford to flourish, and you can have him because as you texted me, and you know it because you've been down on Stafford as well, freaking Zimmerman, as you texted me, you said if the Chicago Bears had Matthew Stafford under center right now, they'd be four wins better, and you know that. Oh, they, they absolutely would be. And look, I'm when I'm down on Stafford, it's putting him in a level that's that's top 10, and obviously if he was healthy this year, he, he was on his way to being there. Because look, to me, there's about six quarterbacks in the league that I would trust pretty much every week. One of them's Tom Brady, as bad as he's been playing lately because it's Tom Brady. But there, there's about six quarterbacks that I would trust. And everyone else, the amount of inconsistent play, I mean, everyone was anointing Car- Carson Wentz a couple, you know, a couple months ago, and he's been terrible. And Jared Goff, that, that contract. Surprisingly be- enough, Dak's probably been, I mean, think about how hard you were on Dak. Dak is, Dak is really freaking good. Dak's and you're, very and good. you know this. And 
he's a getting very thir- good He's going to get $35 million a year. So, and he uh, deserves it. Yeah, the way he's played this year, he absolutely does. I'd still have some concerns about Dak, but, but that aside... Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback, and whoa, 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 a great quarterback. Thank you. All right. Well, he's he's. I don't think great. How about very good? I. You know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one more thing. I think you got a little bit of a bigger situation on your hand. I think you learn about somebody when things are going poorly. And Nagy in one year, 12 wins. Nagy kind of popped. He was doing interviews on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Good personality. Kind of got a good vibe about him. Since things have gone poorly, I think his character has been revealed as a little unscrupulous. I don't know if he's comported himself the way you want as a Bears fan during a tough season. I, I, I still think he's a high-character guy, but I do think that there have been plenty, and not just the, the, the run scheme and not just some of the, the play calling and, and things like that, but there have definitely been some warts that have appeared. And you always hear that. It's about how do you handle adversity, and Nagy has not handled adversity very well. So I, Have I, you guys thought about, as Bears fans, you know how he has BU on the placard have you thought about adding from last year after bu <laughs> like just saying just saying <laughs> anyway this is going to be depressing on third but just understand at least you're not a lions fan just under where you and i are both 41 years old look what i've dealt with for 41 years this is depressing going into another thanksgiving where the team is out of contention with a head coach that is an ass he just is I'm all right sorry. all right so, so so let me ask you about patricia because he got off on the wrong foot last year not just with the media but with his, his players and no, nobody seemed to like him I know, obviously, he's not performing as a head coach because the team's going the wrong direction and has been for two months. But is there any redeeming qualities with this guy? Is or no, not, no, 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 no. And, and Bad Dog does it. I don't know what you guys are talking about. The perception sometimes perception is a dangerous thing. The idea that he came from Belichick's tree. Who cares? He has been a disaster. And frankly, the biggest Daryl Bevel is calling a crispy professional offensive game. Literally every week, I get more impressed by what Daryl Bevel does. He came from where? Seattle. The offense is just fine. Honestly, what's regressed over the past two years and season and now what, 12 games, has been the defense. And these are the pieces. Quinn, who came from the Patriots to run the Lions, then brought Patricia over, gave Patricia specifically the pieces he asked for on defense. And when I tell you to look up the metrics, they're 30 or worse in everything when it comes to the defensive side of the football, and they've gotten worse. They just got beat by Dwayne Haskins. And again, Dwayne Haskins had to drive, again, tying field goal, drive, then winning field goal against a defense that has regressed underneath a guy that's supposed to be a defensive genius. He is a disaster with the media. He lectures the media about how they carry themselves when he looks like he's a reject from some 41. He's also a guy that just has no vibe in the in, in a locker room where I've heard from people that cover the teams that like low key, the, the players are not interested in playing for this guy. And he's three, seven and one. He's lost seven of eight. He is a disaster. Anything more Re- reject from some 41. I like that. Uh, well, I mean, it just looks like he's coming from a kegger. And for those that are listening to Bill's uh, podcast, have to understand last year, Patricia mired in a six and 10 season where he couldn't manage a clock. He was terrible with clock management. And by the way, he's soft as uh, t- towards the ends of halves, but he's, he, he literally was lecturing the local media about how they sat in their chair. Look at him. Who should he be lecturing as far as decorum? Now, do you think what Ugh. do you think Bob Quinn gets to move on from him and hire another coach? Do you think, you know, what, wh- how is the Bob Quinn Patricia? Are they tied at the hip? What's the situation? Years ago, Will the Lions Steve- be able to blow this up if they want. 
Years ago, Steve Mariucci was two years and a Thanksgiving game in to his tenure, which was lackadaisical, and he wasn't interested in coaching at that point, Steve Mariucci. Uh, it was called Black Friday in Detroit. He was fired after two years after the Thanksgiving disaster. He was fired the following Friday. There have been murmurs and rumors and kind of whispers that it could be Black Friday coming up this Friday and Quinn, the general manager, and Patricia could all be out. The problem is Mrs. Ford is 94 years old and the Ford family has always been a little ride or die. I don't see the only coach in my tenure that's gotten ousted after you know, without giving two full seasons, has been Marty Morningweg. Okay, so, no, I don't see them getting fired. Actually, I just see them getting one more year and then getting fired after next year. So so it's inevitable that they will be fired, but I, to, your, to answer your question in a long way, I think they're going to get next year. So, you, you know, so you guys are stuck. Just, just basically. <laughs> Do you think he's a good coach? No, I, I, I think he's, you know, basically. Why, after... well, so let me ask you, why is the perception that there's something there? Like Dog always says it and other people always say it. There's something about Patricia. What is it about Patricia that people buy into? I think because Patricia is more Belichick-y in terms of how he holds himself. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's more of the Belichick disciple. He looks like a badass on the on the field. He kind of looks like a guy that knows what he's thinking, knows what he's doing. He looks gruff. He looks like a football coach should look, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think that actually benefits him in, in a lot of ways because I think if you watch this Lions game closely, especially defensively, I mean, look, the, the last year when, when we look at Trubisky, and not to spend too much time on Mitch, but, you know, when you sit there and go, you look at certain games and you go, oh, well, he had the Tampa game and he had the Detroit game. The bottom line is that Detroit game was without Darius Slay and an already horrific pass defense. And this year, Mitch is one of his better games is again against the Lions because of how woeful the defense is. And when you have – and it's kind of the opposite with Chicago. When you have an offensive guy that can't figure out an offense, you know, as a coach, when you have a defensive guy and his defense stinks, you sit there and go, well, well what are we watching? Could I, can I give you a stat that will blow you away and then we can be done with the Lions? The Lions have played, what, 11 games this year? If this isn't coaching, I don't know what is. They've led in every game. They've led in all 11 games this year, and they've won three, and they tied Arizona, who was starting off the year with a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback. They have led in all 11 football games this year and have three wins. You don't think that's coaching? Oh, that's absolutely coaching. They, wow, they have blown every game in essence. That is, And by the way, their special teams are a disaster. Who cares about special teams more than Bill Belichick? Nobody. This is not a Belichick clone. As a matter of fact, I know somebody, and I'm not going to say his name, that said everybody in the Patriots organization during meetings would roll their eyes when Patricia spoke because he wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, you'd never want to be the smartest guy in the room when that's when there's a certain someone in the room. <laughs> when, you, when, yeah. when you got Mr. Happy over there, just listen, uh, I Belichick is, he doesn't handle himself with the media. He's not a, he's not a good guy when it comes to the media, but that guy is a genius. He's the goat. This guy, Patricia is not a genius. All right. Now, I, before, before we wrap up here, cause we, we had a conversation a few days ago when the NFL, NFL did their 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 top running backs of all time and there were two unanimous running backs in in the selections that would be Jim Brown and and Walter Payton your guy Barry Sanders who I admit is an all-time great oh thanks 
but he is not Walter Payton. Would you? <laughs> are, are you willing to admit to this well, now? Here, there's a couple different mitigating factors here. One, you and I have to be very honest that we didn't see the 77, 78, 79, 80 Walter Payton. And then you misled it a little bit. You pretended like those Bears teams early on were terrible. No, the late 70s Bear teams, Bears teams were okay. Early 80s Bears teams, not very good. Then 84 going into the Super Bowl, they started to get better. I get that. Now, another thing. You and I, we watched Barry Sanders from day one. Barry Sanders is the greatest running back we've seen from start to finish. There's no way you can argue that. Yeah, I will completely admit from basically any any running back post Walter Payton that I've seen play, Barry Sanders is the best. And I put Barry Sanders third all time. I think, and, and you know, you want to call it a hot take. I think Emmett Smith is is horribly overrated. I think. Oh my! I don't even think he's. I, I don't even bring him into a conversation. For some reason, I just never even think of him. I, I think you probably have to, to for the respect of what he did accomplish on the football yeah, field. Sure. You probably have to put him fourth amongst running backs. But if I had a running back that you know, if I needed a running back to make a play. There are probably 10 running backs in the history of the league I would take before I would pick Emmitt Smith. You know what's funny about our conversation? Bill Bill and I were arguing about Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. And by the way, it's not fun to argue against Walter Payton. Let me just say that to the Bears fans paying attention to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, But I will say in an ironic twist, the guy that we should be fighting as far as arguing between Barry and a Bears running back is Gale Sarris because those were as far as – likeness and similarity in the way they ran. I mean, Sayers and Barry Sanders, my dad would lecture me growing up. You never watched Gail Sayers run a football, and the injuries unfortunately did him in. Yeah, best best pure runner in, in Bears history. And like I said, Barry is the best pure runner in NFL history. Elusive, quickness, speed, everything. 100%. I just, you know, Walter Payton's got, got the more of the complete package, which is And why you I said it. Barry Sanders, his, his uh, I think it was his uh, final year. Yeah, it was final year at Oklahoma State. And you'll never. I mean, it's the greatest college football season Phenomenal. of all time. He, he was returning kickoffs. He was returning punts for touchdowns. Uh, he was catching the ball out of the backfield. He did everything. He had almost 40 touchdowns. He, that was one of the great college football seasons you're ever going to see. And, Dar- and Barry Sanders, little known thing, his dad, the, his whole entire life would just say, even when he was winning MVPs, he would say, you're never going to be Jim Brown. The one thing we can all agree on is unanimously, Jim Brown is number one. And, and, and here's what I will say about Jim Jim Brown, when, when you go on YouTube and you're like, hey, you know what, let me just look at some old highlights. When you go watch Sid, when you so, go watch Sid Luckman play or even like a, a you know, uh, Otto Graham, when you see those old black and white highlights, they don't look impressive. And that's not to knock these quarterbacks or knock the players from yesteryear. They don't look impressive because of just how the game was played and, 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 and all that. And we've seen how much the game has evolved. The one guy that you sit there and go, you plop him down as a running back in 2018, and he would dominate, is Jim Brown. Those highlights, they, they, they translate throughout any decade. And I'm glad you brought that up, Bill, because the one thing I always say about Barry is he's YouTube proof. Any generation from here on out, you put him on. Like when people are talking about Saquon Barkley comparing him to Barry, I'm like, I'm laughing. I go, just put on 20 minutes of Barry highlights because we're never going to see anything like that again. And the crazy thing, I was thinking when we were arguing about Walter Payton, why is it that I honestly, when I think of him, I think of him 
soaring over the offensive line to score, and then I also think of him running over defenders. Like, Peyton doesn't get enough respect for how hard he ran the football. Also, he was a great blocker. Yeah. So, it, again, go back on that. I had a hard time arguing against Peyton. It's just you have to understand, Barry Sanders to the state of Michigan guy. means everything. He's your guy. I get it. And, and that's the thing with, with Peyton, and he's, he, he had that, that, that stop move, and he had the high step, and, you know, he definitely could, could make defenders miss. But, yeah, I mean, he would just – look, you can't really do it anymore. He would would just lower his head, use Badass. it as a weapon, just a complete battering ram, and just the way he would just run through tackles, that's another guy you said, he's YouTube proof. When you 20 years from now, you go, go oh, watch yeah. Walter Payton, you won't see running backs that can do what he did on the football field. You can't, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, you know, even maybe a guy like Marshall Falk. I love Falk. I can't believe he didn't make that list. But, you know, there are just certain players. Falk over Tomlinson, correct? Uh, yeah, I would take Falk over Tomlinson. In my opinion, Falk over Ladanian. Yeah, yes. I would take Falk. Falk, Falk was amazing. So. The, the most important thing for Barry, and I'll get off of it, is you have to understand, and I know that we say this at nauseum to Detroit fans, an offensive line, Lomas Brown is the one you think of, and then he never had a quarterback. His quarterbacks, when he started, was Rodney Pete, had Eric Kramer for a year or two, uh, then he had Scott Mitchell, and he had Charlie Batch. You're, when you can like specifically load the box for 10 years to stop Barry Sanders. People say, oh, he cut in the backfield. He cut in the backfield because that was a necessity. Yeah, well, <laughs> he basically. Was, he, wasn't making, he wasn't making a cut once he got through the A-gap. No, he was cutting in the backfield because he was forced to make cuts because that's because everybody was loading the box against Barry. And, and the first seven, eight years of Peyton, it was Bob Avellini and Vince Evans and, and guys you've never heard of. So, you know, they're, they're almost – they're very similar except the fact that in Peyton's tail end of his career where Sanders chose to walk away, Peyton finally got an offensive line and a defense and, and a coach that knew how to utilize him and not just give him the ball 50 times but utilize him – in ways that it helped, you know, as much as people like to clown Ditka now, he still was, he still knew what he was doing offensively in the oh, mid 80s. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's, there's a lot of similarities. So what did we, what did we, what did we learn over the last few minutes here? Okay. So what we learned that we, we are in agreement and you apologize to me, which I accept gracefully, uh, the Trubisky V Dak argument. Uh, this is ending badly for you. I oh, think and here's for- the thing. And I'll, I'll just say this. And I've said this before. There's 40 quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll take over Trubisky, not just Dak. There's probably 40 at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then, so moving forward, I, I think we can call the – let's just call the Barry and Walter thing a wash because we're never going to agree on that. They're both – I mean, we're, t- we're arguing over two or three, and you can reverse them. So that's that. And then as far as moving forward, I mean, we're both embarrassed for what's about to happen on Thanksgiving with Chicago and Detroit. By the way, Chicago's a three-point favorite uh, at Ford Field on Thanksgiving and we're looking ahead to next year. And I hope for, I swear to you, I'm praying right now before things, please, please let there be a new coaching staff in Detroit next <laughs> yeah, year. Be- and frankly, I, I, it sounds to me like you want to hold on to Nagy. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't blow it up just because I think you have to keep continuity and you had a 12-win season. But next year is a huge year for the Bears and Nagy. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Not just Nagy, but Pace. Next year is the hot seat year. If they don't figure things out, they don't they don't have to go 13 and 3 and make the Super Bowl, but they need to get much closer to the 2018 form than the 2019 form. If they struggle again, if 6 and 10 happens in 2020, I think both those guys could be looking for work. 
I so. agree. All right. Well, there he is, Patrick Maher, at the wrap with a W. Gosh, that was Twitter. depressing. I don't even care about a plug. I just want to say I'm tired of coming on your podcast and consistently talking <laughs> about how depressed I am. I'm a 41-year-old male. You understand? I'm 40. Bears fans, understand what I'm about to tell you. 41, I've seen one playoff win. You understand across any sport, that is unconscionable. What I'm dealing with as a Lions fan is unconscionable, and I'm embarrassed every Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Patrick. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. There he is, Patrick Maher, at The Rap Radio on Twitter, with a W, that is. So good good conversation with Patrick, Lions fan, and you can tell he's he's ready to jump off a bridge. So when you're, you're sitting there in, in, in Chicago and you're sitting there thinking things can't get any worse for your franchise, just remember, you could be a Lions fan. So we'll see how the Bears go this week. May not be a pretty one, but the Bears should move to 6-6 six and six after a victory against a rotten Lions team because, like I said, it can always be worse. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We'll talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Adios.